Would you turn with me please to James chapter 5 this morning? We've been talking about prayer principles. Prayer principles. And this is some direction that the Lord has uh, given us on taking the next steps in the growth and development of the church. He dealt with us two areas, you know, the body of Christ is compared to a natural physical body, isn't it? Jesus is the head, we're all the body. Well, the church, local church, is a local body, operates on the same principles. Well, the body requires certain things to function normally and to be healthy. Minerals and vitamins and proteins and carbohydrates, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the local church body has to have proper nutrition, or elsewise it becomes unhealthy, becomes uh, ill, deficient, anemic, weak. And so uh, that's why as a church and as a pastor, the pastor's not supposed to just preach on one subject all the time. Did you hear me? Sometimes you hear people say, well, the Lord's called us to be a healing church. And so that's all they preach on is healing. Well, no. We're to have healing in the church. But how many understand if all you eat are uh, peas and you never eat anything else except peas, you could wind up not only bored, but deficient, right? (laughs) That we're supposed to have some variety. And if you're healthy... Your physical appetites are an indicator of maybe something that you lack. You've heard of little children sometimes, you know, uh, chewing rubber off of a bicycle pedal or wanting to eat dirt. And a lot of times it's not just, you know, doing that. They're missing something in their system. Well, if we'll follow the Holy Spirit, he'll be giving us the right thing at the right time over the course, month to month, year to year. And we'll have a complete diet. Right? And we won't be deficient. Well, in seeking the Lord about what's right for us right now, you know, we, in the beginning, the Lord gave me three things. If you remember that, about how for us to get started, teach on love. That's what we started out. How many understand that's the greatest, right? I mean, that's, well, if you're not built on love, you're just not built on the right thing. Teach on, so we taught on love for months. And then teach on faith. How to live by faith. We taught on that for months. How to be led by the Spirit. We taught on that for months. I believe we've grown. Amen. And it's not because of Brother Keith. I didn't write these things. Right? The Word is not the product of man. This is God's words that feed our spirit. Amen. And He could use any vessel that He chose to bring them out and to serve it or to present it or to minister it. But we didn't create it. We're just serving it. And it's a privilege to do so. But the Lord dealt with me recently for us to step up to the next place now. These two things were required for us to teach on prayer and for us to grow and develop in prayer. So that's what we've been doing on Sunday mornings. But then secondly, for us to teach on Fridays and minister on prosperity. Prosperity. So if you've been missing Fridays, you've been missing out. You you, you wind up deficient in an area. Did you hear me? Somebody said, well, I'll get the tapes. Well, if you had to be somewhere else, that's fine. Get the tape. But if you just stay at home and get the tape, it's not the same. I said, it's not the same. Thank God for tapes, but they won't take the place of you being here. 
You know, if you're listening to the tape, you're listening to history. (laughs) And the word is good and alive, but if you had been here in the chair, the Holy Ghost might have led us to change it a little bit to affect you. Nothing will take the place of you being where you're supposed to be at the right time, the right place with the receptive heart. So we've been ministering on the subject of prayer. In James 5, we'll read our text. James 5. We'll begin with verse 13. James 5.13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. How many understand if you're where you can and able to, you should do your own praying. Not always asking other people to pray for you. Right? Is any merry? Don't come ask me to sing because you're happy. If you're happy, what do you do? Sing. Mr. Well, now, brother, I'm not a singer. Is this just written to people who have done recordings? No. <laughs> if you're going through some stuff, what do you do? If you're happy, what do you do? Sing. Who? You? Yes, well, I don't sing. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Everybody can sing. Not everybody should record. Not everybody should have a microphone. But everybody can sing. If you don't sing when you're happy and sing to praise the Lord, you're missing out on a big blessing. There's a greater anointing. There's a higher level. You just step up. Hmm? It's good to say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But then you can go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You just reach down a little deeper. Amen. Listen, Mr. What if I hit a wrong note? What if you do? Just do it. Keep reading. If you're married, sing. Sing. Look at your neighbor and say, sing. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray. Now, this is somebody who's, you know, the implication is they're so weak that they're not able to do for themselves. And thank God for family. I said, thank God for family that can help you. If you get to the place where you're just, you know, beyond helping yourself, weak and without strength. You know, I think that's one of the things, you know, as I travel around, I've been traveling, ministering for 20 plus years, you know, a lot of people were just shocked when we started a church because they didn't see me in that capacity. They saw me in another place ministerially. And so they asked me, you know, people I've known for years, I say, you know, what do you, how you, do you like pastoring? I mean, how's it going? We go, man, it's going wonderful. And one of the things that I like so much is family. I'm telling you, God is building a family here, a family. Hallelujah. I have to watch. I'll start preaching on family. But it is so wonderful. Can you feel it? It's rising like a tide. It's just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, the mafia talk about the family. 
And when you get, if you become a part of the family and now you're a made man and you got connections and people look out for you, no, no, that's a poor, 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 poor substitute. Imitation of the real family. Got nothing to do with real family. This is real family. I said, this is real family. You mess up, we don't go. I'm sorry, but I gotta whack you. Nothing personal, but see, now that's real love, ain't it? We won't whack you. We'll help you. I said, we'll help you. Amen. Show you how to believe God. Stand with you. And the Lord is dealing with people all over this congregation. It's happening daily that people are giving to each other. Money and things, stuff and favor and help and being there in the time of need and lack. Thank God for it. So thank God for it. If you say, well, nobody was there for me. You're not listening right. We're talking about you being there for somebody. And if you'll sow it, then when you need it, it'll come to you. If it hadn't been there for you, well, wake up. You hadn't been sowing it. You'd just been selfish and wallowing in self-pity. And if you sow nothing, then you reap nothing. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, think about sowing to other people. And the more you sow to other people, it just comes back to you. Wave after wave. And all your needs are met continuously. God uses people. You know, once in a while, something will come up like that. Just then. And sometimes we'll go, Ooh, you know, man, I... That's a little strong, Brother Keith. You need to realize that a lot of times it's not Brother Keith. Now, I'm not saying that every word comes out of my mouth is thus saith the Lord. I could mix some of my own thinking in something. You could too. Every minister is that way. But discern the spirit. Right? And judge according to the word of God, the Bible, and according to the Holy Spirit who's inside you. Judge it and say, is that God? Is that not God? A lot of times people need something to snap them out. They just lulled and laid and wallowed in self-pity. They need something to go, hey, 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 wake up. Wake up. Don't keep going that way. And it's not mean, it's love. Indifference will let you go right on down the road and fall off the edge. Love will go, hey, if you're really about to get killed, it'll go, hey, look at me. Right? It's not being mean. It's You're about to run off the edge. You've got to stop now. Right? So understand how some of these things work. Keep reading. He said, uh, verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another. Can you see this whole passage is dealing with what? Prayer. Prayer. You keep saying prayer, prayer. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. That it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. 
Can prayer change things in the earth? I should say it can be the instrument whereby things are changed. God changed it. But he did it in response to prayer. We don't give the prayer the glory. But God used the prayer. Right? And prayer gave him a legal right to act and move. This 16th verse, the last part of it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. Well, it takes tremendous power to change the uh, cycle of rain, right? That's talking about changing the atmosphere, the winds, the dew points. I mean, the effect of the sun and the moon and the rotation of the earth. And that's a big deal. But power. And then if it's dry and famine, to change all that so that rain comes back. And the Bible tells us that that was affected through one man praying earnestly, sincerely, genuinely, and correctly. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available. How many believe that could be power to draw people to God? Power to enlighten people who are blind and confused. Power to heal people. He talked about healing all through that verse. Right? Power to provide and power to protect. Right? Don't forget our troops. Right? In Iraq and other places. Don't forget them. Remind God of what we prayed. Like at the church, you've been coming and praying. We've been praying. But then also, every day, people could use fresh encouragement. Right? People could use a reminder that they would know that God is with them and protect them. And people could use you praying and asking the Lord to direct them and guide them. A big part of their protection is being led. They're leaders. You know? Not giving orders that put them at the wrong place at the wrong time. Did you hear me? Individuals being led. You start to step around from behind cover and you get a check. Don't step right now. So you step back. And a bullet zips by. Did you hear me? See, there's more to it than just praying. It's praying specifically and then people responding to the prayers. When God checks somebody, warns somebody, they heed it. And lives are saved. Thank God we can pray. And God will hear us. And he will respond to our prayers. Well, we, I think I should review a little bit. Even though we've already taken a lot of time. But that's what we're here for. Right? I mean, we didn't come to see how quick we could get out. Did we? I mean, I could have got you out five minutes after the song service, I guess, you know. But is that our objective? To see how quick a speed service? Huh? Is that our objective? To see how quick we can run you through? Certainly not. It's getting something in us. It's getting a deposit in us where our spirit is fed, our faith is fed, our questions are answered. We're solid. We know how to implement. We know how to do the word. Get results when we leave. 
But we asked and answered the question, what is prayer? What is prayer? And I stated to you that the best definition I know of, the simplest, is simply this. Prayer is communion with God. Communion with God. Communion is also translated fellowship. Fellowship with God. Fellowship means a sharing in common. It's a reciprocal thing. It's not just you talking to God. Some say, well, prayer is talking to God. Well, it's more than that. A big, big key to effective prayer is awareness of who you're talking to. Awareness of him. Aware that uh, God has my attention. And that I have his attention. Be like you and I talking to each other. Well, if you want to come talk to me, you don't just look off in the other direction and hold my pant leg and go, Brother Keith, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith. After a while, I'd go, what? I'm right here. Look at me and talk. Right? What do you want? What do you want to tell me? But see, people get religious in a ritualistic sense about prayer. And so much prayer is far too self-conscious. People are aware that I'm praying, aware of their self, and that's a sign of ineffectual prayer. Just I'm praying. People come in and say, oh boy, you know I was able to put in two hours of prayer. That's not a good indication. Did you hear me? It'd be like you saying, I was able to stay and talk to Brother Keith for an hour. I made it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) see, you were just thinking about the passing of time. What about what we talked about? What about what you told me? And what about what I told you about what you told me? Right? If there's no communion, then you don't have real prayer. If there's no sharing, if there's no reciprocal fellowship, then you're not really praying. You're just going through the motions. Jesus gave the perfect example. In Luke, you remember, he said that uh, a Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God said, I wasn't even in it. He's praying with his, oh God. I thank thee that I'm not like other men, not like this publican. I fast, I tithe, I owe God. God said, I'm not even in that. He's praying with himself. And you hear it's all I, I, I. Well, somebody said, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, you can do the same thing and worry. I've got this, God, and I've got this, and we gotta have that, and I just feel so bad, and I need help, and I, 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 you can do that all night long and miss sleep, and you are not aware of God, you're just, when you get through, you're more aware of your problems than when you started. You're more aware of how bad you feel. That's not prayer. That's worry. Which is forbidden in the scripture. Right? 
I'm just revealing a little bit to remind so much of what people call prayer is really vanity. It's wasted motion. It is not real prayer. And you don't get results. They don't get answers. And people wonder, well, why? Well, it wasn't real prayer. Real prayer. You keep in your mind real strong all the time who I'm talking to. The Almighty. The creator of heavens and earth. Who knows everything. Well, if he knows everything and you know so little, shouldn't you do a lot of listening? Huh? Yeah, you can do some talking, but you should do a whole lot of listening. Because you're talking to somebody who knows so, so, so much more than we ever thought about knowing. Prayer is communion with God. We said, I'll just review a little bit, that what prayer is not. Prayer is not vain repetition. Chanting some memorized phrase mindlessly over and over again. Chanting something that you've memorized. The Lord warned us about this in Matthew. He called it vain repetitions. Prayer isn't screaming at the devil for hours. We've already said prayer is not worry. It's not bewailing your predicaments and recounting your problems for hours and only being self-conscious. That's not real prayer. Counting beads is not prayer. Spinning a wheel isn't prayer. We are not to pray in front of or before any picture. We're not to pray in front of or before any statue. Did you hear me? Don't pray in front of statues. Don't pray so much. Well, I built me a little altar at my house. Fine, cool. But I hope you're not praying in front of any pictures. Did you hear me? And no statues. So I'm going to say, why? Well, go get the tape and listen. We went back to the scripture. And I mean, in the first few commandments of the Ten Commandments, he said that you are to serve and worship him only. And he said, you're not to make any likeness, no statue, nothing like that. I mean, he was very, very, very strong and specific and repeated it so many times. And he also said that you're to watch and not use the Lord's name in vain. What does that mean? When we say, I, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, you do not say that like you say, hocus pocus. You don't say it mindlessly. You realize what a privilege. I have access. I have access to the throne of the Almighty in that name. Amen. And you don't say things like, you know, it's popular among teenagers to hear, oh, my God. Well, that's like cussing. Did you hear me? That's very similar to taking the word God and using it with the word damn. What's so bad about that? Well, you're using his name vainly. You're not talking to God and you're not talking about God when you couple the word God with the word damn. And you're throwing the word God around like it means nothing. Well, people are doing the same thing, if they say, oh, my God, they're not talking to God. They're not talking about God. They're using that name vainly. You say, you know, people, something surprise them and they go, Jesus Christ. Well, that's like cussing or worse. Did you hear me? You're not to use. We don't throw that name around. When we use the name of the master, it means something to us. Significant to it carries weight because, friend, this name carries all the weight and glory in heaven. When you come in that name, you have access, you'll be heard. And this is not like going to the president's office. 
A lot of people, you couldn't get in to see the president. How about the creator? Can you get in to see him? (laughs) You can. I said you can. How many mediators are there between God and men? First Timothy. What is it? Two, eight or so? You don't have to turn there. First Timothy 2, 5. 2, 5. It says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. One. For that reason, we do not pray to any saint. Nor do we pray to any angel. Nor do we pray to Mary, the mother of the Lord. So what's wrong with that? Find me one scripture that supports it. One. No. Friend, listen. Jesus said in John 16. Now, I'm still reviewing because we have people that weren't with us. Jesus said in John 16, he said, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. And you won't come and say, pray the Father for us. He said, you can come to the Father yourself in my name. And he went on to say, in that day, I'll not tell you that I will pray the Father for you. Well, if we had to go through anybody and say, well, you know, Jesus, would you talk to the Father for us? He said, no, you won't have to do that. You can come directly to the Father in my name. Well, if that's a fact, certainly we don't backtrack and regress and think we have to go through some of the saints or some of the angels. Did you hear me? Oh, glory to God. We can come directly, boldly, the Bible said, to the throne of grace ourselves and be received if we come in that name. So you don't pray to Mary. I know a lot of people do, but mm-mm. you don't pray to Peter. You don't pray to St. Francis or St. Christopher. You don't pray to any angels. We pray to the Father God in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Now we begin after that to talk about how to pray. And there is no better teacher on prayer than the Master, the Lord Jesus. He's the best prayer there's ever been. He knows how to pray. And he taught us on prayer. uh, Numerous things in the gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the first thing that he taught us about praying, we studied previously, was in fact you can go to Matthew. We looked at the fifth and sixth chapters. Just turn there right now, please. Matthew, the fifth chapter. The first thing the Lord Jesus taught about prayer as it's recorded in these Scriptures, we spent some time on it. Matthew 5 and 44. Now, we we said this before, let's say it again. How many believe that Jesus is absolutely right about everything he says, including about prayer? Right? How many believe that you should pray the way he tells you to pray in the Bible? You believe that? So like we did last time, we said, you know, well, then let's make a commitment that we'll say before the Lord that whatever he tells us in this book, how to pray, that's how we're going to pray. Even before we read the rest of it, some things, you know, some things you might not have seen yet. But just said out loud, the Lord Jesus is right. right. His teaching is perfect. perfect. And Lord, Lord, whatever you show me, me. how how to pray. 
This is how we will pray. We will do what you say. Hallelujah. So he said, and we looked at this already in Matthew 5. He said, verse 44, Matthew 5, 44, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And what? Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Would you always feel like doing that? No, you would not. People hurt you. You're going to feel like hurting them. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. Somebody really hurt you and betray you. You're going to have some bad feelings. But you don't have to yield to those feelings. Can you pray for somebody that you feel like slapping? Yes, Yes, you can. And I don't mean pray, God, get them. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. So the first thing that the master taught us was to pray in love. Pray in love. In fact, you know, over in Mark eleven twenty five, he said, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody, forgive. Well, why would he say that unless unforgiveness would affect your praying? Right? Would a failure to walk in love affect your prayer life? Yes. Can it render your prayers ineffective? You know, this is so true. The Lord specifically mentioned in Peter about husbands and wives in this area. You don't have to turn there. But in 1 Peter 3, he had told the wife to be submissive to the husband and to show respect and honor to the husband. And then he told the husband, he said, dwell with your wife according to knowledge and give honor to the wife. And he went on to say that your prayers be not hindered. If husbands and wives don't treat each other right, will it hinder their prayers? The Bible says so. Says so. In the Amplified, listen to how it says. It had already talked about the wife showing respect to the husband. And then it says, you married men should live considerately with your wives. Everybody say considerately. Now, you know, we're going to be talking, like Phyllis said, we're going to have our marriage meeting. This is important. I'm surprised sometimes people say, well, my marriage is doing pretty good. I'm not going to go to that. (laughs) That's pride and ignorance. I mean, nobody has arrived in in these areas. And I mean, you know, all of us got flesh to deal with. And the person that acts like they've never had a problem in their marriage, you really wonder about them. (laughs) Makes you want to give an altar call for liars. (laughs) You got flesh. And you got to deal with that flesh. And you add somebody else's flesh to yours. Whoo. And Phyllis and I, we had been married uh, 27 years. And, uh, you know, the first few years uh, wasn't that much fun. We had a lot of trouble. And I mean, you know, it's just the grace of God that we made it. But we didn't just make it. We're flourishing. We have a wonderful relationship. And I wouldn't stand up here and lie to you about it. But it wasn't always that way. I mean, we had some awful times. I tell you, a bad marriage is hellish. (laughs) It is. It's hellish. But a good one is heavenly. You you might say, well, I got one of them hell kind. Well, (laughs) it can change. It can change. I don't care how hellish it is. It can become heavenly. 
So I don't see how exactly. But God does. And he does have the ability if you won't quit. But one of the biggest things that have helped Phyllis and I is just simply growing up spiritually, which is inseparable from growing up in love. And what happens is you become less selfish. And the less selfish you become, the less problems you have. Because she's not pulling on me. I'm not pulling on her. She wants to do something for me. I want to do something for her. Well, if there's something being given from both sides, there's something to receive from both sides all the time. But if everybody's going, give me, give me, I need, you don't do this for me, and you're not there for me, and you don't support me, and, and why don't you want to do this with me? And when, Well, you're a little whiny baby. You need to repent and grow up and quit saying, give me, give me, give me, I won't, I won't, I need, I need, and start sowing something and start being a giver so you can receive something. And if you'll notice, that's about the third time that's come up real strong this morning. (laughs) Said out loud, no more give me, give me. It's give, give, give. Not give me, give me, it's give you, give you. Right? Good. We're all happy with that? Everybody likes that real good, right? Yeah. The Amplified in 1 Peter 3 talked about that. Live considerately with your wives in an intelligent recognition, honoring the woman as the weaker vessel, realizing you're joint heirs of the grace of God, in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Uh, the parenthesis says, otherwise you cannot pray effectively. If you're embroiled in strife, your prayers are going to be ineffective. So you can see a huge reason why the first thing the Lord taught us on relative to prayer and how to pray, he said, pray for people that hurt you. Pray for people that despise you and use you. Forgive them. If you miss this, there's no need going on to the next part. Right? Because even faith works by love. Right? So if you got something against somebody, you think they got something against you, for you bend a knee to pray, you better get it right. Elsewise, you can be praying in vain. Just talking. No. Forgive. Release. People hurt you, pray for them. Because if they don't change, they're going to get judged. And if you care about them, you don't want to see them get judged. I said, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them judge. No, you do mind seeing them judge. No, I, I want to see them get what's coming to them. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's your flesh talking. Put your flesh down and let the love of God that shed abroad in your heart, let it come to surface and say, no, I don't want to see them go down. I don't want to see them hurt. You know, I've been in the ministry long enough now that people have talked ugly about me. And I, there's been some people that really just, you know, didn't do me any favors. I mean, they were behind my back and they did some ugly stuff. And not too long after that, they're going down. They're hurting. Well, that bothers me. I don't want to see them go down. I want to see them get it right. Let's get it worked out. Let's get it fixed. Don't go down. Don't go under. Don't perish. Let's repent. And let's come up. Right? Well, when you think right, then you can pray for people legitimately. They go, Lord, have mercy on them. What they don't see, show them. Enlighten their eyes of their understanding. And give them another chance. Give them space to repent. Send people across their... They might not listen to me, but send somebody across their path they'll listen to. Give them an ear to hear it. 
Give them more time to repent and get it straight. Right? That's what he's talking about, right? We pray to love. God is love. And we pray in love. Can you say amen? And that brings you up to where we are today. (laughs) The second major thing that we haven't covered, that Jesus taught about how to pray. Go to Matthew 21, just a few pages over. You're in Matthew, I think. Right on over to Matthew 21. Jesus taught in between there, you know, between 5 and 21, some of the things on prayer, but he was teaching on what to pray for. We may talk about that later as the Lord leads us. We're not talking about what to pray for per se. We're talking about what? How to pray. And Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Number one, how do you pray? That was weak. You want me to spend another hour on review? Or do we get to go on? Number one, according to Jesus, how do you pray? You pray in love, right? We pray to love and we pray in love. You can't hold a grudge. It'll hinder your prayer. You can't be mad at folk. And the Bible says, you know, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? What does that mean? Don't stay mad all day. You better have it worked out before the day's over. Right? Do whatever you can do to get it straight. Folk don't realize it, but this fuming about something, day after day, is how the devil gets in. This meditating on how somebody hurt you and how somebody didn't come through for you and, and how, you know, how somebody was mean to you and this anger. That you let build up inside you. If you let it go day after day. What you do is you're yielding to the devil. You're opening up your being to him. That's how people become obsessed. And that's how people could eventually become possessed. It's dangerous stuff. How many understand this rage is not of God? Remotely. None of that is of God. No. So don't let the sun go down on you fuming and mad. You release it. Even if they don't want it to be right, then you forgive them. And as much as you can, you get it straight. And even if you got the feelings, you may still have feelings like you want to get back at them. But you keep talking to yourself and you say, no, no, I have forgiven them. I don't care how I feel. I've forgiven them. They owe me nothing. They don't even owe me an explanation. They don't owe me an apology. They owe me nothing. Did you hear me? You don't have to feel like it. Just make a decision to do it. And then keep saying it. Keep it in front of you. And that way your heart will be clear and you can pray and get answers. How many want to be able to pray and get answers every day? You don't want to go even a day or two, right? Not being able to pray and get answers. No, no, no. The second major thing about how to pray, you'll see here in Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and verse 22. Matthew 21, 22. Jesus is speaking, isn't he? Does he know what he's talking about? Oh, yeah. And he said, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, do what? Believing you shall receive. Number two major thing, how to pray, is what? Believing or faith. Number one's what? Number one's not believing. Number one's love. 
Faith works by love. No love, faith doesn't work. So no. Number two, though, is believing. Whatever you ask for, all things. This is not just part-time, right? This is any time. If we said all things that you pray about, what would that cover? Any time you're praying about something. And specifically when you're asking for something. Because what he said, all things whatsoever you shall what? Ask. Anytime in any area that you ask for something, what should come next? Believing. For the prayer to be effective, there must be believing. Okay, you asked, but now there must be believing. Believing you shall receive. Now, Mark recorded this also. Turn over there. Do you know where it's at? Huh? Mark 11. Same situation, same teaching, but just Mark's account of it. And in Mark 11, verse 22. Mark 11, 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say, now that's not pray, right? He didn't say pray. What did he say? Say, whoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Is this prayer? No, it is not. What is it? It's saying. Now read the next verse, verse 24. Therefore, because of that principle and truth, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray. That is prayer, obviously. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Not enough just to pray for it. Not enough just to ask for it. What must you do? Immediately upon asking, what must you do? You must believe, not just believe vaguely, but believe what? Believe that you receive them. Now, we could stop and do a whole teaching here, if it was the leading of the Lord, differentiating between verse 23 and 24. Notice what verse 23 does not say. If you got a mountain in your way, did God put the mountain there? You got a huge obstacle in between you and success in your business. You got a huge obstacle in between you and your child or your spouse. You got a huge obstacle in between you and your health, a mountain of sickness, a mountain of Whatever, a mountain of weight, excess weight you want to get off your body, a mountain of excess debt you want to get out of your life. Did God put that weight on you? Did God put that debt in your life? No, No, he did not. God didn't put it there. But if you got a mountain that you want out of your life, what did he tell you to do to it? it. Notice what it does not say. Whosoever will pray about the mountain. Oh God, make this mountain go away. Oh God, move the mountain out of my life. Oh God, please. Is that what it said? But isn't that how so many people pray? That's how they do. No. The mountain didn't come from God. You're not asking him to give you a mountain, and he's not the one that put it there. 
What did he tell you to do? He told you to speak to that problem and command it to get out of your life. Right? That's not talking to God. Right? That's not prayer. People miss it and get off by begging God to make the devil stop. Did you hear me? That's not what the New Testament teaches. The scriptures teach, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You remember that? What's the understood subject? Who's the under? You resist the devil and he will flee from you when you resist it. Is that begging God to make the devil leave you alone? See, no, that, that's not in there. Right? You see where people are missing it. They're begging God to make the mountain go away. Begging God, please make the devil stop. Please, no, he told you to speak against it. That's not prayer. That's exercising authority in the name of Jesus. And if the Lord will allow us sometime, I'd like to just camp for about six months on righteousness and authority. Oh, my. Believers are supposed to live lives of victory. Ruling and reigning like a king. Why? We've been given authority. But the Lord's not using that authority for you. He gave it to you for you and I to use. So if a big ugly mountain is hindering us, what do we do? You look that thing in the eye and you say, sickness, diabetes, cancer, die. Get out of my body. That's not prayer. But see, so many folk are not doing that. Is it scriptural to do? Did Jesus tell us what to do about mountainous problems in our life? Well, see, why are millions of Christians not doing it, though? They're still begging God. No. No. If it's a problem, God didn't put it there. But he gave you the authority to make it go. Right? So you speak to it and say, get out of my life. Leave. Go. If it's tormenting desires. Maybe you've been, you know, the devil's just been harassing you and all these desires to be unfaithful to your spouse or desires, you know, moving on you to lie or to steal or something. Don't just sit and quietly ponder those things. Speak up. I said, speak. If you're in your house by yourself, speak up and go, no, shut up. No, take that desire and get out of here. Leave me alone in Jesus' name. And then believe it to happen. Expect it. But now let's go on. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. From who? From the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So if it's a good thing, I can ask him for it. Right? I can ask him for it. This is prayer. I'm talking to the Father God. And I'm asking him for something. And when he told, Jesus told us, now he told us how to pray. He knows how. When you ask for something, what do you do? Believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Let me read the definition of that word to you. Receive. Believe what? Believe that you receive. That word literally, I'm looking at Thayer's and Strong's and Vine's. A real good cross section of these guys that were experts in the Greek language. They say it means literally to take. To take. 
One says it means to take as with the hand, to lay hold of. It means to take in order to carry away. To take away, to take what is one's own, to take to oneself, to make one's own. Are you getting the picture? What am I supposed to believe when I ask for something? Let's use this language. We're to believe that we take it. We're to believe that we lay hold of it. We're to believe that we take to ourselves and make our own. Right? And then what happens after that? You shall receive them. You'll have it. Right? Believe that you receive it and then you will have it. You'll experience it. Let's say it's healing. I desire healing. Healing's a good thing. Right? Uh, you know, maybe let's say there was a mountain of cancer in my body. God didn't put that there. I speak against that cancer. I say, cancer, you die. and You stop being in my body. You dry up, shrivel away, be eliminated from my system. Okay, but the cancer has done extensive damage to my organs or my bones. I want something good. I want restoration. I want miracle healing. That's good. So I ask the Lord, Father, I ask you to restore my kidneys. I ask you to heal my lung. I ask you to recreate Mara in me and then restore my joint. Well, if I come back 10 minutes later and go, please, God, I'm asking you, heal my lung, please. And I go in a week later and the doctor said, no, it's still bad. And I go, please, God, please, why didn't you hear me? Please heal my lung. And I go back three weeks later and they said, no, it's worse than it was. Please, God, please, God, and you tell your friend, I prayed half the night last night for my healing. Please, God, heal me. Well, are you doing what he told you to do? What did he tell you to do? When you pray, whatever you desire and ask for, when you pray, do what? Believe what? Believe that God's there? It's got to be something more than that. Believe that God's good? Got to be something more. Believe it's God's will to heal? That's great, but you got to believe something else. Believe what? What does receive mean? Believe that you take it. You didn't see it. Might not have felt anything. But in your heart you believe God heard my prayer. And you believe that you lay hold of it with your spirit. And you take it into yourself. And by faith you believe I've got my healing for my lung. I believe I've received it. I believe I've taken it. But I don't see it. I don't feel it. That's what faith is all about. Now go quickly to First John. And I'm endeavoring to wrap it up. 1 John 5. Jesus said, when you pray, what things forever you desire. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a new house. Hmm, maybe it's a house. I know Phyllis and I didn't start believing for a new car. We just started believing for a car. One that would run and get us from point A to point. See, it's all according to where your faith is at. Then we started believing for a good car. We added that word next time. A good, solid car. And then eventually we believed for a new car. And it didn't happen overnight, but over the years, actually decades, we got to the place where we went in and wrote a check and paid for it and drove it home. Now that's fun. That's great. (laughs) Didn't start out there. Didn't start out new either. But if you just keep putting your faith on it. Just keep believing. Just keep expecting. Keep sowing your seed. And most of all, obey God. 
Go where he tells you to go. Do what he tells you to do. First John 5, are you there? Jesus said, whatever you desire, house, car, money, healing, wisdom, direction, whatever it is, whatever you desire, when you pray, do what? Believe what? Which means, believe that you take the car. Believe that you take the apartment. Believe that you take the healing. And then you shall have that healing. First John 5, verse 14. Anybody ever read this verse before? Is it still good? Oh, glory to God. First John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Confidence. That if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. Now let's just stop right there. Now some folk have really twisted this around. They said, well, yeah. So we just ask. And then if it happens, we know it was his will. And if it didn't, then we know it wasn't his will. No, 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 no. You cannot pray the prayer of faith if you don't know the will of God. Did you hear me? That's why Ephesians 5 tells us, don't be unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5.17 or so. And uh, you mustn't just bump along and think, well, we'll throw a bunch of prayers out there and hope some of them hit. It's like my spiritual father in the faith, Brother Hagin. He said years ago a lady came to him and a man brought her. She was near death, given up to die and emaciated with cancer. And he's holding her up to pray. And he tried to talk to him a little bit and said, well, do you believe that God still heals today? And, and they said, well, we believe God can do anything. And he said, well, do you believe that you'll receive healing when I lay hands on you? And they said, well, if it's God's will. And millions of people are right there. Millions. And he said, well, how would you know it's God's will? How are we going to find out? And they said, well, you know, we just thought that you'd pray. And if she got healed, we'd know it was God's will. And if she didn't, well, then we'd know it wasn't God's will. He said, I can't pray for you under those circumstances. Because you won't get healed. And you'll go away saying it wasn't the will of God. And that's a lie. That's not true. See, a lot of people are not ready for prayer. Because they're not ready to believe they receive. They're not ready to believe they take. So they should be hearing the word and getting ready to receive. But uh, eventually he was able to talk to them and show them the scripture until they became convinced and said, yeah, I believe it's the will of God for me to be healed. And he laid hands on them and she did receive and she did live and not die and was healed. But in the beginning, they weren't ready. You got to know the will of God. So how many believe this book is the will of God? If you prayed this book, could you be assured that you are praying the will of God. Yes. So if we ask anything according to his will, according to his word, according to his will, what do we know? We know he has heard us. Does that mean anything? Yes. We're not talking about the president. We're not talking about some king. We're talking about the creator, the almighty sitting on the throne, heard what came out of your mouth and received it. Right? And what else? Keep reading. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we asked, what else do we know? Then we know that we what? Hoping to get, have to wait and see. No, we know. Do you hear this language? Confidence. No, 
know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Oh, friend, I know you may have heard some of these things before. It might be the first time you've heard them today. But, friend, this will change your life. If you start living like this and start operating like this, you will quit praying empty, vain prayers. You will begin to pray and get results. Pray and see it happen. Pray and things change. Now, if anyone will take much of that, you'll be hooked. I said, you'll be hooked. And you'll think, oh, yeah. Yeah, now this is the way to live. Not just throw a bunch of stuff out there and nothing ever happened. There's reasons why people pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. It's not because God's not there. It's not because he doesn't care. It's not because it's not his will. It's because people have ignored his word. They've ignored his instructions about how to pray. But not you and I. I said, not you and I. We're going to follow Jesus' example. He said, when you pray, whatever you ask, whatever you desire, you believe that you take it. Amen. You believe you receive it. And then you'll have it. Let me read this out of the Amplified on this verse we just got through reading. He said, Amplified, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. You like the sound of that? We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will and in agreement with his plan, he listens to and hears us. He hears us. And if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of him. Does that mean anything to you? We know if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have granted to us. Did you hear that? We have granted to us as our present possessions the request we made of him. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.